right, I'm going to ask you to uh, turn in your Bibles tonight uh, with me to the book of Genesis. And let's turn over to Genesis chapter number uh, 10. Genesis chapter number 10. All right, Genesis chapter number 10. Now, we want to read the back into the next chapter, just a few verses to kind of get our setting here of where we are and what's going on here after uh, Noah's uh, flood and uh, some events that occurred years after they began to settle. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, this is um, these next few chapters really cover uh, hundreds of years. It's not just a, like a few weeks or a few months. And sometimes when you're reading through your Bible, you think, hey, man, that happened just like that. But it's not the case. And uh, so time is progressing. They're, they're multiplying, having uh, families. And, uh, but we we'll want to pick up in chapter number 9. And uh, we want to um, take a look back into the past, maybe determine maybe where you uh, are from or which one of the sons of Noah uh, that you are from, maybe. We'll see. Genesis chapter number 9. And does it matter? Well, I think it does. I think that uh, each one of them has a prophetic statement upon them. And I think that you'll find that a general general uh, thing follows that group of people throughout history. Now, men, uh, unbelievers and agnostics and liberal-minded, quote, Christians, hate the fact that God is sitting upon a throne and He is sovereign and He can determine the current of a river or the destiny of a nation or things of that nature. He doesn't take away the individual choices and the individual responsibility, but he has the power to determine certain things that will come to pass. His word does not return void. And so when you get to Genesis chapter 9, and uh, one of the things I think is a mystery to me in the Bible is when somebody pronounces a curse on someone or a blessing upon someone. It's amazing how that when that happens, uh, it happens, except for Balaam when he attempted to place a curse upon Israel, and the Lord reversed it. Every time he tried to curse Israel, God would reverse that, and it would turn into a blessing. And so Genesis chapter number, but Balaam is a weirdo anyway in the Bible. You want to do a study of weirdos in the Bible? There's one of them right there, all right? Genesis chapter 9, though, look with me here. We have come upon this um, terrible scene here after the flood when Noah uh, and his family, they have grown. As a matter of fact, uh, he has uh, several grandsons when this event occurs. Uh, this didn't happen a few months after he got off the ark. Uh, he's already, as a matter of fact, the, the man that he curses uh, is the fourth uh, in grandson in this partic- after this particular son that uh, is responsible for the sin. So let's read on here. Verse 19, uh, he said, Now these are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. So would you agree with me that you came from one of these three? Unless you, unless you descended from outer space somewhere, and you are sure enough an alien. It says in verse 20, And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and was drunk, and he was uncovered, and he was uncovered within his tent. Okay, now, again, you're looking at a man who we talked about this the last time that we were in this chapter. Uh, we don't know all of the details, that are, and they're not given here because probably uh, the Lord is not like uh, Hollywood who likes to uh, show all of the details of wickedness and ungodliness, and the Lord's not like that. 
And, uh, but he says here that Ham, the father of Canaan, and remember Canaan is his fourth son, so he's already had time uh, to multiply his tribe here. He says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. We in America have lost the, um, the preciousness of uh, honoring our parents, our father and our mother. Uh, but there are many cultures of when that is very serious crime and is um, and can get you in deep trouble. And so we don't know if that's what has happened here or has there been some kind of a sexual act and many people believe something happened here. Uh, but I don't know that. And so uh, as I mentioned when I preached the last time on these passages, and I'm not preaching again tonight, but I do know some things that did happen. And the Bible says in Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward. So you got two brothers that know what ought to be done. You got one that knows what ought to be done but chooses not to do it. Okay? And says, and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And so Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew, and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. This is a strange verse, and yet he is cursing the grandson, the fourth son of Ham. And this curse is going to follow the descendants of Ham. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be unto his brethren. Now, as a preacher of the word of God, I cannot... Uh, sometimes soothe your intellectual hunger and answer every question that you may have in these kind of verses. But I am responsible to declare to you what the Bible says. And, and I believe what it says. And so the scripture says in verse 26, and he says, and he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and Canaan shall be his what? His servant. And God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his what? His servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. And then we pick up in chapter 10 where that the genealogies begin in the word of God. It's not the first place that they are. You'll find them also earlier in the book of Genesis. But it begins to give us uh, the breakdown of man as he is going to be scattered throughout the globe. These are very critical chapters in the Bible that explain much about the historical development of man upon the earth right after the flood. Genesis 1 through 9 covers approximately 1,700 years of history. And chapter 10 and chapter number 11 from Noah to Abraham covers approximately 350 to 400 years of history. And that kind of sets the stage for Genesis chapter 12 of where that history then begins to focus upon one particular man and his family, and that would be Abraham and his family. And that would cover uh, the next, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds and, well, all the way up till now, really, if you think about it. But there's some interesting facts here before we move on about these genealogies. And to me it is that Noah and Shem and Abraham were all alive at the same time for 39 years. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? From Noah 
Shem, Abraham, these three guys overlapped in their lifetime for 39 years. Do you think maybe you could communicate and get to know somebody in about 40 years? You think maybe they could pass something off to you in about 40 years? You think that Abraham heard some things that Noah had to say of the pre-flood world and the things about God? I think that he did. And I think that uh, he believed the things that he heard. Noah was Abraham's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather eight times. Now, let's look at the scriptures here. You know, there's no laws that can make man change. Wouldn't it be a blessing if it could? So the Lord begins to do some things here that can only hope to contain man's sinfulness and wickedness and selfishness and his savagery. That is why God introduced capital punishment to slow down um, the savagery. He scatters mankind here in these chapters here just a little bit as we're going to read. And as the nations develop from these families and a group of people, he separates them. And we'll see why here in just a little bit. Okay, let's look in chapter 10 with me there in verse number 1. Okay. You'll notice it says, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. Then he begins to give their genealogies. Okay? And then when you get to verse number 25, it says something odd. And this is mentioned again elsewhere in the Chronicles. It says, And and unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided. And his brother's name was Joktan. Now, many men believe that this was the time of when the major continental drifts took place. And uh, God allowed men to be able to scatter throughout the face of the earth. And then the Lord kind of separated them according to what it says in the book of Acts. Of how the Lord said that, uh, you know, he made, uh, hath made of one blood all nations. But then he set them in their place and set their boundaries. He set their boundaries. Now, that was before there was airplanes and ships and things like that. But God put them in their place that they might feel after him and find him. So, when you look at what I just read to you in Genesis chapter number 9, as Brother Ed has brought this to my attention over the years, of something that's missing in, in uh, the, uh, the Canaanites, And the curse that's upon Canaan, you'll find in verse number 25 that he is cursed and he'll be a servant and there is no blessing from God upon his generations. Now, I didn't do that. You didn't do that. The Lord did that. And he said that they would be servants. Now, uh, as we uh, look at the, the scriptures here concerning the division, I want you to look with me in chapter number 11. And verse number 1, it says, oh, let's back up to chapter 10. Now, remember, the Bible sometimes, especially in the book of Genesis, will give you some information, and it's almost cyclical. It will go back and then give you some details. It'll tell you what happened, then it'll go back and give you a description of why it happened. Okay? So when you get to chapter 10, verse 31, it says, These are the sons of Shem after their families, after their tongues, in their lands, after their nations. 
These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Okay? Then chapter 11, verse number 1, gives us a little bit of reason of why God did what He did and how He did it. It says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there, and they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. These are not knuckle-dragging Neanderthals. These are not cave dwellers. These are intelligent men, very intelligent. And they're going to build a tower. And they, many anthropologists believe that what he attempted to do here is what you see when you look at the shape of some of like the Mayan temple, the Aztec temple, and the pyramids that are in Egypt, that there is a similarity of these people who are attempting to build something toward the heavens. And they did worship the heavens. And they even sacrificed to the heavens. And the scripture says here that uh, in verse number 5, it says, and uh, well, verse 4, And God said, He said, Go to let us build a city and a tower. Not God said, they said. Go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name. And let us be scattered abroad upon, let us be scattered abroad, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city. That's an interesting phrase. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build it. I have an imagination. I mean, just what does that mean? The Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Did he just descend like he did, you know, when he came to see uh, uh, Abraham? Uh, when those three guys came to see him and visited in his tent, the scripture says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. Now what you're fixing to see here is where God's going to divide man, and man has been trying to undo this ever since. And the closer that men get to undoing this, the more they bring wickedness and sin and destruction to man. The United Nations is anti-God and anti-Christ. God is not for that. Okay? Uh, if you wanted to call this the United Nations, that's exactly what it was. And God said, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to scatter you. All right? And he says in verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. This they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now that is a very strong statement in the Bible of the ability and the intelligence of man in that time in which they lived. And there are things and marks on the place. I, I like to study stuff that is mysterious. I like to study some of those things, some of those marks that are left on this planet that they have absolutely no explanation for. Some of the things that have been constructed, some of the marks that are on the planet that can only be understood if you're looking at it from space or from a ship or something like that. Men really not today are not as smart as they let, they let on that they are. Things they cannot explain. But I know that they were very intelligent men to be so dumb. Verse 7, go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. 
And the Lord scattered them, brought upon thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. From thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And I do believe that Nimrod was the guy who was responsible for uh, building this city. The Bible says he was. And it was the first Babylon, as you might say, that he constructed and built. And uh, he was known to be a rebel or a type of the Antichrist even way back then, opposed to what God's plan was. So, as we read through these things, and as you take the time, if you want to, to look at who begat so-and-so and what area they went to, what I would like to deal with tonight for just a little while is to help you to understand the genealogies of the three major streams of nations that are given here uh, because the Lord, let me ask you a question. When you hear the word race, what do you think? How do you define the word race? When it comes to your mind, what does the word race mean to you? Anybody? Brother Ed? Okay, Brother Ed said that uh, in his first thing in his mind is the color of a person's skin and the people that they normally associate with. All right, is that what you think when you hear the word race? Have you ever had to fill out paperwork and it says what race are you? Okay, and now... Did you know the word race actually is not in the Bible? Did you know that? The word race is actually, except running your race, okay? But the word race is actually not in the Scriptures, and God does not describe man according to his color. Did you know that? Now, men have colors. That is a fact. But the Lord did not uh, divide man or differentiate man by his color. You'll find here that the, the term was first used in the Word of God and in history to, to refer to the speakers of a common language. A race was determined by the language in which they spake, not the color of their skin because the language was necessary to build that nation, to educate them and to teach them. And so they had to speak the same language. Can you imagine? Now, I don't think that Noah's boys were rainbow color. I don't think that they were all diverse in color. I think that happened over time, and I'll I'll mention that in just a little bit. But I think they were all the same color, and they spake the same language. They understood each other. They were basically one group of people. But Nimrod stepped up and said, you know what? I know God wants us to scatter, but I don't agree with the Lord. And I think it would be better if we stayed right here. Let's build us a city. We'll, we'll actually do things the way we want to do them. And the Lord comes down and he sees that if man continues to do what he is determined to do, that it won't be long till he'll be right back where he was before the Lord destroyed them with the water. Do you understand? Because they brought across them the depravity of man. And in less than fifteen to 1,700 years, they were completely evil and wicked and ungodly. And he wiped them out. And so if he doesn't change some things here, then uh, man's depravity is going to take hold again, and they're going to be pretty much right back where they were. Now, you've got to think about the wisdom of God here 
in this matter. But the word race, that's a big term today. That's a sensitive word uh, today. Um, you don't have to do very much or say very much or feel very much to be accused of being a racist. You agree? And usually, but really the, the, the true definition of a racist is someone who believes that they are really superior uh, to another person because of the color of their skin. That's what they think in the term of being a racist is. is. But the term was first used to refer to speakers of a common language and then by nationality. Because language is the foundation of a tribe, a nation, and a culture. And over time and over centuries, the term began to refer to obvious physical traits. Skin color. Their size. Their hair. Their eye shapes. Etc. Now, you got to keep in mind here. Now, the Bible will help you. We all have grown up with certain feelings, uh, thoughts, prejudices, and, and I think that um, I think we'd be in denial if we didn't have some of those. I have my preferences. I have my preferences about a lot of things. Um, That doesn't make me a racist because I have some preferences in my life. Now, Acts 17.26 says that God has made of one blood all nations. Now, that irritates some people, but it's a fact. There really is just one race, and that is the the human race. Okay. But now the Lord did divide man up. He came down and said, you know what? We're going to put a stop to this. And so he divided them, first of all, by their language. And so they began then to scatter. And you'll notice that one son basically took his tribe and went that direction. Another son took his tribe and went that direction. Another son took his tribe and went this direction. And so what you basically see is that, that, the, that the Lord gave to Shem Asia and that area. And the Lord gave to Japheth, Europe, and that area. And the Lord gave to Ham, Africa, and that area. And you'll find that God will describe a man by his family tree or by his uh, family name or his... When you say nation, it comes from a family. Okay, it started with a dad who had a large family and who spread out. Uh, whether it be um, Esau. Esau is also referred to as Edom. And so all of his descendants are referred to as Edomites. And so the Lord might call a man his name and then say the Edomite. Okay? Uh, he might refer to somebody as a Hamite. He may refer to somebody as an Amalekite. Okay? And so these were references to the tree that they came from. Really. So when you get here in the scriptures, you'll notice that God divides man prophetically. He divides them phonetically by their language, their ability to say certain words. They begin to change and develop physically because of the regions of the earth that they went to. 
Anthropologists classify people into racial groups. That's the word they use. Have you heard the term Caucasoid? Have you heard the term Mongoloid? Have you heard the term Negroid? Did you know they even had a special word for the Australian Aborigines because they felt like they weren't even really human? Did you know that? Because they looked so much like the ape and so much like the monkey that many of those anthropologists of their day did not really believe them because they were so uh, primitive and still are in some degree and so small. They had their own name for them. But the Caucasoid was referring to those who were the sons of Japheth who went to Europe in that area and settled. The Mongoloid, basically the Chinese, the Indians, the Semitic race. And the Negroid, of course, being the black Africans. Men, because of their prejudices, have come up with ways to justify some of their hatred for one another. And they will use the Bible to do it. And there are some who believe that the curse of, of Cain was he marked Cain as a black man. And I've heard that. And I'm going to tell you, that's as dumb as a box of rocks. Because what, that, that, all went, that was all on the other side of the flood. None of that came over on the other side of the flood. And then they picked it up with the son of Canaan because of them going down into Africa. And the curse that was placed upon them was the darkness of his skin. Now, I don't believe it was the darkness of his skin that was the curse. I don't. What you'll find about the Canaanites that God hated about them was, was their anti-God and their sexual prowess and their perversion that is scattered throughout the Old Testament. They were perverse people and wicked and ungodly. How many of them were black, brown, light brown? I don't know. God doesn't say. It says the Canaanites, and it has to do with their culture. It has to do with their culture. Now, let me just say this, that um, as these people began to scatter around the globe, physical changes occurred over time to adapt to their region. Have you ever heard of something called melanin? How many of you ever heard that word, melanin? I didn't say melatonin. It puts you asleep at night. I said melanin. Now, melanin is the amount, it, it really, it, it's the pigment that gives human skin and hair and eyes their color. The amount produced determines the shade of the skin. It protects the skin against damage from the sun. The pigment that gives human skin, hair, ages... And, and eyes and their color, the dark-skinned people have more melanin or it produces more than light-skinned people do. So wouldn't it make sense that if you were sent to the area such as Africa and you're exposed to the sun, don't you think that that pigment is going to, to protect you from the goodness of the Lord that placed in you, that it's going to turn your skin a little bit darker in order to protect you from the, from the sun? And then when you go into Europe where it is not quite as sunny, you won't need that much. And so your skin is going to be a little bit lighter in color, such as the Europeans are that way. 
And then you've got the in-between there, such as in Asia, concerning that. And so it's almost as if God did this on purpose to help man and to help him to be able to deal with the changes that have come upon the planet. And so if your children ask you, Mom and Dad, why why do people have different colors of skin? And why this and why that? You need to be able to take them back to the Bible and say, listen, this is where this all started. And this is why God did some of these things to man. Now, you know, these things are important because Genesis and the Chronicles and all the begats reveal, number one, the historical reliability of the Scriptures. And it reveals the prophetical reliability of the Bible. Can it be trusted? And so as these nations begin to develop and as they begin to scatter, you'll find that, the, that most of the nations of history have desired, who have become strong, have desired to dominate the world. That's Gentiles. That's uh, Japheth primarily, but not only. For example, and when they do that, they have to do it first of all militarily. And then what they do is they began to dominate that other crowd linguistically by making them and forcing them to change their language. Do you remember when they took Daniel and the three Hebrew boys and brought them into Babylon? One of the first things they did was is that they tried to change their culture. By changing their language, by changing their names, they were trying to change their hearts. One of the reasons why God told the Hebrews don't marry other cultures is He says because those women will come into your home and they will bring their culture with them. And as a matter of fact, one of the prophets said, how come your children speak different languages? How come they're not speaking just the Hebrew language? Why is it they can't understand this? Because He knew they had been mixing with different Cultures. These other cultures were anti-God, anti-Christ, and that is not what the Lord wanted from the Hebrew. Now, let me, let, me, let me explain something to you about this as we get into a little bit further about Abraham. You think about the, the nations that dominated. You think about the Egyptian. That was the first one that we know about was the Egyptian. And militarily, linguistically, the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, they all had something in common of when they would militarily dominate other people and they wanted to spread across the globe and they wanted to rule the world. That's exactly what they wanted to do. And they would do so by changing the culture, their very best to change the culture and the language of the people they captured. But it was not so. When God chose Israel to become a nation, He said, I want you to draw off this boundary. This is the land that I want you to have. This is my land. You stay right here. Stay in these boundaries and do not marry into those other cultures. He said, you worship me. You follow me. You show them how wise your God is, how good your God is, how powerful your God is, and let them come to you. That was the way it was supposed to be. Israel has never sought world dominion. And yet it is hated by most of the nations on this planet. They have sought peace with the nations around them and the nations around them have sought to destroy them. So I want you to understand something about this thing about the nation of Israel as we go further into this. They were to be a lighthouse and Balaam's curse upon Israel would never work. 
had no effect, but his counsel was devastating. He said to the enemy, he said, I can't curse Israel, but here's how you can destroy Israel. You get your pretty girls, you get them down there on the border, let those boys see those pretty women, and then you let those girls marry into that culture, and they let them take their culture in there, they'll bring their gods with them, and we will destroy them from the inside out. And that's exactly what happened. Very few men have the courage to truly lead their families in the ways of God if somebody in the family is not happy. That's a fact. And I say that pastoring over 40 years, I can say that to be true. That if if there is somebody in the family that's unhappy about what's going on at the church house, very few men have the courage and the conviction to stand their ground and say, this is where God put us, this is what we're going to do, we'll work out the problems, but we're staying right here. Very few, very few. Here in the Scriptures, I want to to close with just a few thoughts here about this. When you get into uh, the genealogy of Ham in chapter 9, Ham, you've got Ethiopia and Egypt and Libya. You've got the African nations. You've got Shem. You've got Arabia, Assyria, and Mesopotamia. That's the Semitic nations. You've got Japheth. You've got Europe, the Caucasian. You've got Greece and Rome and the Europeans and the uh, Slavics and the Poles and the Kurds and the Germans and the Russians and the Anglo-Saxons. And all of that goes over in that particular area. So have you ever made an effort in your life to determine exactly where your ancestry came from? How many of you have tried to figure out where you came from? Anybody here made a serious effort? Okay. How many of you have sent your DNA off to determine? There's one, there's two, there's three. All right. Now let me say as a believer, as a Christian, that your genealogy Truly, your true life began when you got saved and you were put in Christ. When Paul was talking about his genealogy, he said, Look, man, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, Man, I got it. I got everything you're looking for here. I am, I am, he was basically saying, So I am pure bread. That's what he was saying. And he said, You know what I think about it? He said, I count it as dung when it comes to being in Christ. Now, in Christ and Christianity, that is true, is that it doesn't matter where you came from, it matters where you're going. Now, in the real world as far as doing business and having to work outside Christianity and having to deal with folks, genealogy does matter. And even the Levitical system, you couldn't be a part, you couldn't be a Levite if you couldn't prove who you were and where you came from. You couldn't do it. To be part of the priesthood, you had to prove. And that's when you get into the New Testament, you'll find the book of Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the from being a son of Abraham all the way down to where he was born. All right? And him being a Jew. And then you've got over in the book of Luke, you've got him taken all the way back to Adam being, and he gives a line. And the line that's given is the line that Noah is in. It's the line of where Seth is there. It's the line of where Noah is. And that's where the Lord Jesus came through and was called the Son of Man. He is the Son of God, rightful heir to the King, the Son of David, but also the Son of Man. The Lord kept those records. 
Those, those, those scribes and Pharisees served a purpose. Those scribes' responsibility was to, when you read over in the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah, you talk about God wanting to separate His people from the rest of the world. When they got all messed up with the Babylonians and they began to marry other, we call races, God calls them other nations and tribes and cultures and languages. He said to Ezra and Nehemiah got them all together and he said, I want to see you, I want to see you, I'm just paraphrasing this to help you understand. He said, I want to see your marriage certificate. And when he looked at him, he says, uh, this is not a Jew. You get in this line over here because you're getting a divorce. If we're going to have revival, he said, you're going to have to divorce this crowd and get them out of here. And you're going to have to get back here and preserve the seed for the Messiah. And that's, why, and that's what they did. There was a lot of tears shed that day. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? How hard that was that day. What did you do with the kids? I don't have all the answers to all that. I don't know. But I'll guarantee you sin complicates stuff. I know this. And I know this. And the principle here is, is that even today... When you're choosing a mate, number one, is he a believer? Is she a believer? I didn't ask you if she was beautiful. I asked you if she was a believer. Now, if she's a beautiful believer, that's wonderful. But she needs to be a believer. Marry in the Lord. Marry in the Lord. If your first wife passes away, the Lord says, marry. It's okay to marry again, but marry how? In the Lord. Marry a believer. Marry a believer. And then go the next step if you want to really be able to work together and and be able to, I think, have more peace and prosperity in your home. I think you need to stay within your culture and your language. That's how God divided things up. And I think you'd be wise to listen to Him and follow the way that he has divided people up. Have people crossed those things and been blessed? Yeah. Did you read the, the uh, genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there is a Moabitess in there? Huh? I mean, but you know what she had to do? She had to forsake everything that she had been brought up with. You know what Ruth said? She said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And so when a person is willing to forsake everything and turn to God, and follow your, you can't, you can't be a mixture, is what the Bible said. It won't work. A house divided cannot stand. It won't work. Now, people get aggravated about this stuff. No doubt they do. And so, I pray that the Lord would help you in some of these areas of your life that you would listen to Him, especially our young people, because it's interesting how that people of a different culture they are drawn to somebody else in another culture for some reason. Now, let me say this. Um, just out of curiosity, I have some information here on Sister Janet's family. Uh, her family, and I would say she's, she's from the, the, the line of Japheth because her family goes all the way back to Germany or to the Europeans. And that's what I have here on paper anyway. And then here's Brother Ed. Uh, he also is from the area primarily from Germany, okay? And so again, the, the land uh, uh, or the area of Japheth, and then there's uh, Sister Debbie. Her, her dad, John Devant, or Devant, from France. 
So when you take some of these tests and you look back into the past, maybe you don't want to go very far. I don't know. Some families don't have very many branches in their trees, and you may not want to go too far back. I understand that. Oh, there's a lot of jokes made about some of that stuff, you know, in Arkansas and other places like that. I'm <laughs> oh, just kidding, sister. They said about Mississippi too. I promise you that. So I know that we, um, let's see. Christian, where would you say y'all were from? Would you find out? Germany too? Because of your parents. Yeah, France. Okay. Anybody else did this? Nobody else? Brother? All the way back to Germany. We, we just got a house full of Germans in here. Amen. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Crystal, did you raise your hand? From England. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. What did she say? Ireland. All right. Okay, my my, uh, my sister's sons paid to have her DNA tested and sent it off for a gift and gave it back to her. So she sent me the results of her DNA test. So I'm going to piggyback off of hers. And it said that for us that we were 80% guaranteed to be from Europe or European. And usually if you have the color of skin, the kind of hair, that's usually where you where you came from. I'm a guy that does, I don't have very much of that melanin in my body. I don't tan like some of you do. I burn and peel and burn and peel. That's what I do. So I must be way back into Europe somewhere back in there. But it did say 49% from England, Wales, New New Western, excuse me, Northwestern Europe. 32% from Ireland and Scotland. And those who did the tree all the way back, most of it went back to Scotland. They said their last name used to be spelled H-U-T-Z, Utz. And when they got over here and the rednecks couldn't spell, and so they just kind of, they, they said, hey, it sounds like hoots, so we'll spell it like hoots. And that's, so that's kind of got changed. And that happens with names. It does. And so I'm just saying that when you begin to look back on these things, but what I do know is, is that the promises of God is that, and the curses of God are real upon these nations that God has scattered them throughout there. But each one of them has their role in what they contribute to mankind. They do. And they all have their deficiencies of how they can harm mankind. The Semitic race gives us the purest religion that's on the planet of the earth. Japheth is known for his prowess and his ability, military campaigns, and to rule and to spread and to take over uh, what uh, others have built. And they have done a good job of that as well. And so... As you read through the scriptures and maybe you talk to each other, I want you to see here as you read through this, we're going to um, pick up in chapter number 12 when we get ready to pick up again in the Word of God. But would you read chapter 10 and chapter number 11 and see how the Lord has scattered men? <coughs> Excuse me, all the begats are in there for a reason and where they have gone and now they have established themselves and where they are today. One of the reasons why, and again, I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again because it needs to be repeated. What they attempted to do eventually brings the ruination of a nation and of mankind. 
And what we're doing today is the very same thing. The reason why you see right now, Brother Mark, the, the sin has increased in America exponentially the past 30 years, past 20 years. It's continually exponentially increases. Now, why is that? The Lord scattered man so that he could not communicate with each other in order to slow down sin. And since then, man has made the effort to be able to communicate with each other. And with the ability of the Internet and of the cell phone and the cell tower, you are able to communicate around the world. And you're able to do it instantly. You're able to broadcast every imagination and every thought and every act that you desire and place it upon the screen. Every imagination of man's heart no longer is being hidden, but rather it's being put on display. YouTube and other places make money off of the depravity of man. And that's why what you see, you see the churches are having a hard time maintaining their unity. Why? In a multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. And where people are able to communicate in a heartbeat, how many texts did you send today? Whereas you probably wouldn't have had a, you wouldn't have called them probably a few years ago and talked to them, but it's so easy to send a text. And it's so easy to pick up a phone and call somebody and talk to them now. It's so easy to communicate and express your heart and your words. And it is so easy to hide behind the screen and say what you want to say without you thinking that you're going to be held accountable for what you do. Facebook, other places of that. I mean, they got all kind of names now. I can't keep up with them. I just can't. Am I thankful for modern technology that people are able to watch this at home? That, that we can contact missionaries and we can Skype with them? Am I grateful for that? Yes, I am. I really am. I'm grateful that I can keep up with where my, where my kids are, where my grandchildren are. I'm grateful that I can communicate with you without having to be in your home. I'm grateful for that. But I am telling you, it is going to be our undoing. And there will be, as I told you in the book of Revelation, there's never been a time except in our generation of where that you could look at those two dead witnesses laying on the ground and the whole world see them at the same time and then celebrate their death and watch them get up and the whole world see it at the same time. That's never been possible up until our generation. And we are, as Daniel said, there is an increase in knowledge. It's exploding. You get a new computer, you get any kind of new product, even if it's a fishing product, it changes in a few months. Everything is exploding. That's why they'll be able to do some things under our skin, with our skin. That's why they'll be able to put an invisible tattoo, why they'll be able to buy and sell without, without money. We're there. But all of this is to go back where God said, I want you to scatter, and I want you to be separated. We want to bring man together and be one world. And the Antichrist wants a one-world government and a no doubt, hey, listen, have you ever been in a foreign land and not be able to talk the language but be able to speak into your phone and it be able to translate it for you? That's where we are.
And so I just hope and pray you understand and appreciate how God has laid out the roots of man, where they have gone, and the dominant traits of those people. God has wrote it down for you that you might know where you came from and maybe why sometimes you act the way you do. Amen? All right, let's stand together, please. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll bless the Word of God, our hearts. And Lord, I pray that our hearts will be tender, Lord, toward all men, and be willing, dear God, to share the gospel with all men of all languages, of all colors, and of all cultures. But Jesus, when you left, you told us to go forth and preach the gospel to every creature. And Father, I pray that we would be colorblind and culture-blind in the area of giving the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.